Welcome to the Media Cynic. I'm your host, Dave Wallace, the Media Communications Chair for the Department of Virginia. This week's podcast was inspired by a meeting of the Mission 33 Utah Honor Flight, Utah's first all-female honor flight, who arrived in Washington, D.C. on the 75th anniversary of D-Day. This flight came about thanks to a special donation by the Denman family. Vernon Denman is a veteran who wanted to honor vets who helped him recover after being wounded during his time in service. In this group, there was one Korean War female veteran and 22 female Vietnam veterans. In addition, their guardians who accompanied them were all female veterans themselves. Listen to Bobby Moore's emotional story of her service as an Air Force nurse and what going to the Vietnam Wall meant to her, as if an emotional burden was released having this experience, as well as two former Vietnam-era sergeants and now-life partners Sarah Garcia Beck and Barbara Garcia Beck who were fortunate enough to take this once-in-a-lifetime trip together. Plus, you'll get to hear from the respective guardians and the bond they formed during the experience. So I'm here at the night of the banquet for the honor flight with Nigel Rasmussen, who's one of the guardians for the honor flight from Utah. And basically, Nigel, you know, we know each other from uh, last year from National American Legion College. Uh, it's great to see you, but uh, there's a special reason why you're here today. It wasn't definitely to come out and see me. So uh, could you please talk about this wonderful event that occurred, how, how uh, this all was all formed, and everything else to lead into the conversations with Bobby and the other uh, female veterans uh, that I'll be interviewing. So this is mission 33 for the Utah Honor Flight. It's the first ever female flight, but um, not first female flight as far as strictly that, because I believe Rhode Island had that first, but it is the first ever female flight that we are aware of that is veteran to veteran, with, their, with the exception of one, which was a gold star spouse. And so it came about um, a while back where the Utah Honor Flight um, there was a gentleman by the name of Vern and a couple of other gals, and they uh, put $30,000 in to uh, have this uh, female flight go because they felt that they were deserving of that. These are Vietnam veterans. I was able to be a guardian to uh, the Vietnam veteran, and in my case, it was uh, Bobby Moore. Well, thank you. And, you know, for your experience, uh, you know, there is some training to become a guardian. I know that I've done it myself, mm-hmm. but could you explain a little bit about uh, what type of training was engaged with doing this if somebody's never uh, been engaged with the honor flight and what it is that you've gotten out of this experience uh, for this trip? Okay, so we had a pre-training that we went to as guardians to get all the information that we needed uh, in order to go on this flight. and. Part of that, I think, also was from our personal experiences and professional experiences, both um, military and and what we do personally and and professionally um, outside of what we've done in the military. And so um, it was actually just a couple of sessions that we had, and they gave us all the information that we needed. We got the personal information um, about our veteran that we would be a guardian to, and uh, really had the opportunity to um, contact their families, um, get the letters um, that were given to them for mail call on their flights, um, and really got to know the veteran, um, not just not just in the military, but also personally in that process. 
And one last question before we take it over to Bobby. What's the one thing that uh, stands out for you in this experience? What is the one uh, thing that you will definitely take back and remember always? That's an easy one, but an emotional one. Um, So forgive me if I get emotional on this, but today we went to the Vietnam Wall. And while we were there, it was a, an experience of, of healing, not just for the Vietnam veteran, but for myself also. I'm a Desert Storm veteran, and it was really interesting to be together as veteran to veteran and really experience that together. And it wasn't just us. It was also um, other Utah Honor Flight staff as well as those, the public, that were there. And they experienced that with us while we're at the wall today. And I'll never forget that for as long as I live, just because um, it was so um, deeply emotional. But at the same time, we knew that when we left that wall, that the burdens had been lifted and that there was a peace that was there for those Vietnam veterans that were there. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And now with... We just spoke with a guardian, and now we're going to speak to the actual Honor Flight veteran herself. Uh, Bobby, I'd like for you to introduce yourself, talk about a little bit about uh, uh, the history of your war era, of what you did while you were in service, plus, you know, don't forget the service you actually came from. And then uh, we'll start talking from there. I had the privilege of being a nurse in the Air Force during the Vietnam period. I was stationed at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia and took care of a number of the veterans that, well, they weren't veterans, they were still in the service, that came back from Vietnam. Um, I was a captain and um, was in charge of a number of personnel as a result and was able to train those personnel when one of my highlights is that every one of my corpsmen wound up becoming nurses. I know, I'm just like, wow, this is like really sweet. I kept up with them for a while, but they've all gone in their various ways, but they're all also, also serving as nurses now, males and females. I had the privilege of um, being assigned to return one of the prisoners of war. I flew to uh, Washington and had the opportunity of um, escorting him back to Langley and what a painful experience that was for him. Um, I was the medical officer and was supposed to administer medicine if he needed it because of some of the information he was given. Um, I had the privilege of being at the, of holding in my arms the many of the young men that did not get to return home as they passed. I had the privilege of sitting with them and listening to them and writing letters for them. I know that sounds very World War II old-fashioned, but it was. Um, Some of them hadn't seen their parents. um, They wrote home and told them an accountability to their parents. And it was a very touching time for me. Um, it was a it was a great time. Anytime you wanted to go anywhere, the Air Force was wonderful because there was always somebody that wanted to go with you, you know. Um, 
then I used my GI Bill afterwards to uh, get my second master's. I went in with a bachelor's and a master's in 71, and that was kind of unheard of for a woman to have a bachelor's and a master's. But I was waiting for a fellow that was in Vietnam. And um, anyway, I used my GI Bill to get my master's. But this trip for me has just been wonderful. I've been able to, I was doing fine. Okay, I was doing fine on the trip. Everything was great, having a good time. And we went to the Vietnam Wall, and um, one of the ladies said, uh, I said, this is where I want to see. I want to see this place the most. And she said, well, who's the guy you want to you know, look for? You know? And I looked at her blankly because I was there for two and a half years watching these young men die in my arms, literally, or holding my hand. And I couldn't remember one of their names. Not one. And then she said to me, well, when did they die? When did the person die? And of course, I couldn't think of a given day during my time in the Air Force. I couldn't give her a year even at that moment. And so I looked at her and smiled graciously and said, well, let's just go walk down the wall, you know. I didn't know what else to say or do. And I didn't really understand that. I didn't really understand how the wall was put together, okay? I know, I'm 72 now and I should have known that, but I didn't. And so I thought, oh look, they start here in the first, and it's not very deep, and it's not very big. But many, many guys died that month, okay? And then get a little further down, and there's more guys on the wall. And as we went down further and further, the wall got deeper and bigger, and it, I realized that these were... Then I started counting how many were in each place. And they had a little dot for every 60 guys. And after I got to 120 on one of them, I couldn't go any further. I couldn't remember what happened after 120. And it wasn't any given month. Was... Anyway, and I just lost it. Sort of like I'm losing it right now. Come get on, ladies. And so Barry C. Tucker, right there on the wall. I don't know Barry C. Tucker. And then about six lines below that, there was a guy named Gardner. My third husband and I married, his name was Gardner. I can see him, honey. Don't you worry about that. And I was just floored, and I just lost it. I haven't been able to talk about it. Not for 51 years. And this lady was standing next to me just grabbed me and hugged me. She hugged me tight. She hugged me tight like I would have wanted my mother to when I went home. But my mother was quite against the war and she had sent me a 
Shall I tell him? She had sent me a, for one of my birthdays, she sent me a, a crushed cupcake that was crushed before she put it in the container with broken, burnt candle on it. And that was my birthday present from my mother. And there were other things that happened, but I haven't been able to tell anybody in here. Nobody cared that these guys died in my arms or that I couldn't even say their mamas. I didn't know where they were. He was a good boy. I couldn't tell him. But today I got to talk about it. And anyway, we left there after I finally got it together a little bit. And we went through the trees and the park kind of area. And I turned around and glanced back and knew that I had left something there at the wall that needed to stay there. And that I didn't have to carry it around anymore. Well, Bobby, I really want to thank you for that. That was uh, very... Uh, heart-wrenching and it's nice for you to share something that I know uh, when our audience uh, hears this I know that it's going to really resonate with them and I'm very honored to not only have met you but also to have um, you share that wonderful story so thank you so much for that thank you so you know, just had a great uh, interview with Bobby Moore, and now I've got uh, two additional uh, people to interview. One is uh, Barbara Garcia Beck, uh, a United States Air Force uh, veteran. And uh, Barbara, you know, it's a pleasure meeting you. Um, you know, I'd like for you to talk a little bit about your Air Force service and uh, talk about your experience here uh, on this honor flight. You know, was it meant for you? What was it that, uh, the one uh, moment that really got you or something that really uh, made a difference and made this trip all worthwhile? If you could do that for me, please. Well, let me start by saying that I was in the Air Force during Vietnam. I was in from 1964 to 1972. I went into the Air Force thinking that I was gonna be a part of the WAF band because I was a music major in college and I quickly learned when I got to basic training that there was no WAP band anymore. My recruiter wasn't real, real honest with me about that. So it was Vietnam, they needed medics, and so they, that's what I was in the Air Force. I did uh, a little over eight years as a medic. Before I went in service, if I went in a hospital, I passed out. So when they told me they were gonna make a medic out of me, I sort of laughed at them. But once I got into it, my first assignment to actually get into a hospital and work with patients, fell in love with it and loved every minute that I was there. As to this trip, I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, I would have never, ever, ever thought I would have the opportunity to do this. Um, I mean, I've known about the honor flights for a long time. I knew that, that the guys were going back, starting with the World War II guys. I've always thought it was a incredibly wonderful thing that was being done for our veterans but it never occurred to me that I would have the opportunity to do this and it's been remarkable remarkable um, 
to have people on light when we got out of service during Vietnam, where people didn't even want to acknowledge us. To have people stand in line and clap for, I mean, it seemed like an hour when we landed in Baltimore. To have people stand there and clap and, and acknowledge you and say thank you for your service and, and you know, it, it was just, it was incredible. And, and it's been that way from every minute of this of this journey. It's just been a, it's been amazing. Uh, today, visiting all the all the monuments and, and it's, it's been uh, it's, I can't even think of words to say. It's been amazing. Okay, thank you. And you know, for every uh, veteran, there's always the guardian. Absolutely. And. Uh, you know, it obviously shows, and I see this uh, wherever I go. I've been to many honor flights. Uh, there's this bond that's formed. Um, and uh, I'd like to uh, have the guardian speak. Please introduce yourself, uh, your time in service, and uh, what, what your experience on your end uh, with, with uh, Barbara. So my name is Melanie Spar. I'm an 87 in the Air Force, still actively serving. I'm looking forward to retiring in about six months. Um, I hit my 20 years in January, and I've been involved with Honor Flight since beginning of 2016, um, when they needed military support to kind of run logistics behind the scene. And since then, I've now become a Utah Honor Flight board member, um, and I'm also the ambassador of the state of Utah for the Women in Military Service to America Memorial at Arlington. Um, and I've gone on a couple of honor flights, but this one is by far the most incredible. Um, being able to experience the no kidding girl bond that exists and being able to relate to somebody that has experienced the heartaches and trials and tribulations and degradation and the bullshit that I have, but on a much deeper level, has been overwhelming. I guarantee that it's been far more healing for me than it has been for Barbara. Um, so she's an inspiration. I love her. And this, if my military service meant nothing other than being able to serve in uniform so that I could serve on this honor flight, then my service has been worthwhile. Oh, man, this is, this is going to... Uh... This is definitely going to be a very uh, enriching um, podcast, and I really hope a lot of people, as they're listening to uh, these true stories and this true uh, bonding experience for just a few of the uh, those that uh, were part of this uh, honor flight, um, you can really sense, you know, that bond, and you know, I really thank both of you for sharing that. We got one final. Uh, uh, group here. Uh, f uh, we have Sarah Beck Garcia, uh, another United States Air Force uh, veteran, along with her guardian, and they're going to share their experience uh, to close this podcast out. So, Sarah, could you uh, tell me a little bit about your time in the Air Force uh, and also about your experience as well? Sarah Beck Garcia. My partner you just interviewed, the love of my life. We met in the Air Force, but we didn't get together until I, um, I got out, because I got transferred in between all the 
I, jo <coughs> I joined the Air Force when I was 18, just a sweet young thing. And I, <laughs> I wanted to um, travel and see the world and continue my education. And I knew that those opportunities were available joining the Air Force. And I, I didn't want to join the Army or the Marine Air Force. It was Air Force. Of course, I was, you know, Hill Air Force Base was big in Ogden, so. Um, you're from Ogden, right? No, no. no. So, um, I was um, stationed at March Air Force Base in California, and uh, we were offered um, bases, you know, we could choose. We didn't always get them, but I wanted to go to California. That was big. Oh yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to go to California, and I got California, and I could not believe it, but I got it. And I stayed there for two years, and then I transferred to Omaha, Nebraska, SAC headquarters, and I loved my work. I worked in the administrative field, and um, I worked with very good, very decent, hardworking people. I was part, proud to be part of the team. So anyway, when I got out, I went back to California and met Barbara. I mean, we sort of knew each other in the service, but we, she was involved in other things, and, and we met, um, we reconnected in 1970? 1970. So we are going to celebrate our anniversary, our 50th anniversary. Wow, fantastic. In January of... February. February. February 14th of okay. this coming year. How could I? <laughs> and, how, and how has this honor flight uh, experience been for you? I can't even tell you. I mean, my heart is so full. Um, I've cried most of the time. And just when I think I get over that, then something else happens and I cry more. And I didn't bring enough waterproof mascara. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, um, the love that we felt, uh, I have felt, is has been overwhelming. I, mean, I can't even believe this is like a dream come true. I, I've told everybody I, I I never thought I would go on an honor flight, right. and we were chosen to go on the same flight. I thought we're you know I thought like women are you know waiting in line to to get on this flight, and I thought there were several, but apparently that's not the case. So I thought if we get on it. We gotta get on the same flight. And so when we did, it was just like a dream come true. Well, that's and fantastic. It was, anyway, it was, everybody has shown us so much love. And um, oh, I have to tell you, this experience in, is it Baltimore or Chicago? Baltimore. Which one was it? Baltimore. Oh my gosh. Of course, you know, we're coming through, and I, I didn't expect it. I mean, I expected small crowds, but this was like both sides. It was, it was like both sides, and people were like, and I was like, oh, and crying and trying not to, and being, you know, shaking hands. And then this young man drops on his knee, and oh, it just, it, I, I just couldn't get over it. And, and I gave him this big old hug, and, and we hugged several people along the way. I don't know if we should have, but we did. And it was just a, an experience I'll never forget, ever, ever. It is just 
thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're thank you. And Guardian, uh, seems like you've got a good bond yourself, so could you explain uh, what your experience has been like, please? So, Mandy Adams, also E7 Air Force. I echo a lot of what Mel said, been involved with Honor Flight since 2016. Uh, this is my first time actually going on our flight, which I can't feel more honored for, because as she said, the bond that we have with these ladies, with everyone here, is just amazing. We were lucky enough to get these lovely ladies, who Mel and I happen to be like best friends. So to have two women that we just bonded so closely with and that we can spend all this time with. It's like we had two veterans with us. We, you know, we, we met for breakfast before and just shared stories and, and just being here. I, I can't even, again, there, I, I can't, I can't talk about it. There's no words. Like honor flight has always meant so much to me anyway, but now it's this overwhelming emotion of seeing almost a weight lift off of their shoulders going to these memorials going to these things and so many tears so many hugs so many yeah. loves so many just seeing this it's i there's no words it's just the most amazing thing you can ever be a part of well thank you ladies i really appreciate you sharing this and uh um, we'll make sure that you get to uh, see the published a uh, piece of everything, so uh, thanks so much. This podcast may be a few minutes over my preferred podcast length, but as you listen to these stories, you can understand why it was necessary to keep all interviews together. Since this was an on-the-spot interview and later in the evening, it wasn't possible to find a completely quiet place, so I do apologize for the background noise. However, as mentioned, these stories will still resonate with you nonetheless. I want to thank Nenzel Rasmussen, a 2018 National American Legion College graduate, who gave me the opportunity to learn of this honor flight and invited me to meet these wonderful ladies and hear their stories. My only regret, other than the sound, was not being able to hear each and every one of the female veteran stories and share with you. For God and Country, this is the Media Cynic signing off. Are you a veteran crisis or concerned about one? Connect with the Veteran Crisis Line to reach caring, qualified responders with the Department of Veterans Affairs. Many of them are veterans themselves. To connect with a responder, you can call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. You could also text at 838-255 or go to veterancrisisline.net and you can look for the chat online option on the main screen. A trained responder will answer your call, text, or chat and ask you a few questions. You can decide how much you want to share. No matter what you're experiencing, there is support for getting your life back on track.